Happy New Year! Hannah Brown. Happy New Year, Chris McLeish. Yay. And what a year it's going to be. Or has been. (laughs) 2020 is going to go down in the history books. I had so many plans for 2020, Chris. I was so full of optimism on the 1st of January 2020. Had so many exciting things lined up. At least it didn't take too long for it to go to pants because you didn't get halfway through with the false sense of security that the full year was going to be cracking when actually most of it's pants. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, it's it's, it's been a time. Yeah, well... It can only get better, that's what I say. Touch wood, let's, here's hoping. Um, here's hoping. Yeah. You a big New Year fan? Year name? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really celebrate New Year. As a family, we never really did. Shetland and New Year was always quite good because we, we used to split. we do Christmas with Dad in Shetland one year. And New Year mm-hmm. with Mum, and then the next year we'd swap. Mm-hmm. And New Year in Shetland was always quite the time. It was, um, it's more of a thing up there than it was down here. Hanging out with those mafia cows. That were yeah, after exactly, your the mafia cows. They'd be like, yo, give us a Bailey's. <laughs> you used to kind of go around different houses. The first footer thing seemed to be more of a thing, which I'm sure That's you'll talk fair. about. Was I will quite, talk about. quite the thing at New Year in Shetland. Whereas down here, we never really did much. I would eventually, when I got older, would do it with some friends. But the past three years, I've just sat in the house. Oh, Yeah, I just work. Work Hogmanay, come home and be on my own. And I miss the bells most of the time. So it gets to like half one. And I'm like, oh, it's an entirely different year. And I didn't know. (laughs) It's New Year. It's New Year. All of a sudden, how did that happen? Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's fair enough, though. I know, yeah, I am. Yeah, kind of the same. When, remember that? ancient time when theatres were a thing oh yes um normally i'd be off to like the tron panto in hogmanay because that's always a great time in hogmanay it's just because it's wild it's like a party come back stuff my face with food and wait up for the bells and probably go to bed at like half past 12 because i am not an evening person (laughs) perfect Well, I very much am. There was a couple of years in a row where I would work Hogmanay and then I would drive home like the wind to get home in time for the bells. And there was one particular Christmas where I was literally getting in the door as the countdown happened. And mum was like, get a drink, get a drink, get a drink. And I got got like, obviously because I don't drink, I got like a glass of water. And then I was like, happy new year just in time. Um, But I love that. I think it's probably three years in a row Maybe two years in a row where I've not really done anything at all. But this year yeah. I will be with my mum. Which is nice. I'm pleased about that. But yeah, also I'm not like a big party person. And I also do not drink alcohol. So the whole idea of going out into the town for Hogmanay makes me feel vaguely nauseous. And quite oh, yeah. scared. <clears throat> because, oh, it's my idea of hell. I'm sorry if you enjoy yeah. it, but it's yeah, just no, I just can't. I like I like a house party with that, people yes, that I, I know. I yeah. don't like strangers, don't like crowds, don't like yep. crowds of strangers, don't like drunk people, don't like drink, don't enjoy any of that stuff. So it is my worst nightmare as yep. well. Yeah. Um and also I've had friends that have done that and I've heard absolute horror stories about them not being able to get home because all the taxis are full. Nobody it has just, a good time. <sighs> Nobody enjoys it. Yeah, Why right? do people put themselves through it? <laughs> do something you'd prefer. Like stay in, pop on a movie. Exactly. I just, I don't... Yeah, I'm also I normally don't... ill. What, sorry? I'm normally ill as well. I get... I feel around about this time of year, I get hit by some kind of bug or cold normally. And so either yeah. Christmas or New Year, I'm normally pooped because I'm ill with something. Exactly. And also, usually normally, like, New Year's Day is one of our few days off over the mm-hmm. Christmas season from work. And usually by that point, we've been mixing together so much. We're sort of incubating all our individual illnesses and colds. and. <laughs> yeah, being alone is the celebration that we deserve yeah. every year. Yeah. 
It is very, it is very true. Which is why I don't understand why people work with crowds want to go back out into crowds. And I'm like, no, I don't want to t- talk to the peoples. Nope. Don't want to do it. Yeah, that. flying solo at New Year is perfectly respectable. Yeah, I do quite like that. I do. I mean, one the only one thing I do like about New Year is that for New Year, I quite like as we will talk about today. It just feels like a very Scottish celebration is New Year. Who doesn't sing Old Lang Syne, which is literally a Scottish poem by Robert Burns? Yes, that's that one. He is a nasty man. <laughs> Remember how in the last episode we were talking about sex pests? Well, I have a story for you. <laughs> <laughs> he was the worst. Oh, yes. His, yeah. I believe his reputation did precede him at the time, and I'm not talking about his um, his way with words, shall I say? Oh, what a man! What what a guy! What a guy! Why does nobody he... talk about this stuff? Why do we delete the nastiness of historical figures? You make a very valid point. It's very very true. Yeah, because that's actually something I didn't know about Robert Burns until relatively recently. Anyway, on the topic of New Year. Mm-hmm. Our little friend, the magical hat, has magical given us hat. a New Year question. Would you believe? Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> She's just so with it on yeah. what topics we're doing this week. Yeah. Um, so She's Chris also McLeish, a massive fan of ABBA. She's also a massive ABBA fan. Are you kidding? That song came on at work yesterday and it made me think of the theatre. <laughs> Why? Because that song comes on all the time in the foyer. That's very true, it does. Um, <laughs> I also feel like I still have slight PTSD after that Christmas season we had Mamma Mia at the Royal. Like, I think you were doing panto at that I time. I was working panto so that you year. So you weren't there. But, oh, yeah. wow, that was... I wish I that I'd been working panto the year that Jersey... I, I have heard many a horror story about that time. I, that was the year before I joined, so... I also just decided not to hate Jersey Boys, so it's a it is a very it's a divisive musical. Yeah, because it's terrible. So Oh you're nothing if you're not you're nothing if not truthful and I love you for it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I tell no so, lies. You tell no lies, exactly. Um so Chris McLeish, the magical hat would like to know. Okay, I'm gonna use a phrase here that A we've mentioned on this episode and the one before. And I'm about to talk about it in length later on. Okay. But you'll from the gist if you don't know, if you genuinely don't know what it is, you'll get the gist of it from this question. Chris, who is your dream first footer? Can be a real person, fictional person, character, whatever you want. So let's be serious. I love Meryl Streep. Yes. She'd be great. But she would be great. Why can I never think of answers to questions when I get asked a question? Um, uh, I mean, I'm going to struggle with this one as well. Because I can... There's only one thing that keeps coming to my mind and it's because I watched the film that this character is in very recently and I can't get it out of my head. Okay, so this one might actually be kind of cheesy. Go for it. And I'm kind of okay with it. Okay. So you're very aware that I'm very close to my family. You are. And I actually think that my mum is my ideal first footer. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh. When we used to be in Shetland, the first thing my sister and I would want to do is phone our mum mm-hmm. um, to try and get a hold of her. She normally worked New Year's, so she'd have her mobile on her because she was a nurse uh, and she'd be working the New Year's party in Edinburgh. And we would try our hardest to get a hold of our mobile, which was normally mm-hmm. impossible because the networks always go mental. Well, they used to back in the day. I don't know if they're quite as bad, but the networks yeah. used to be crazy and you could never get through. So we used to try for ages to get a hold of our mum. Yeah, I do, it's, it's super, super cheesy, but we, she is essentially my best friend. So I think yeah. it is, it's, my mum is the first person that comes to mind when I think of a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know I have the option of being crazy and going for a fictional character or a cartoon character or something. Not that cartoon characters are fictional. But <laughs> I think in reality, the person that I am closest to and the person that I would most want to see is my mum. So probably my mum. That's very nice. And uh, that ge- genuinely puts a smile on my face. 
That's good. Be- it's all, it's because- super cheesy, but... Yeah, but I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, and I would have to concur and say, if we're that talking about real, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we're talking, if we're talking about real people, there are members of my family that I wish could. Also, it's something that we did used to do. We did used to first foot, like one of my aunt and uncles after after the bells. We did that for like a good few years running, and there used to be something quite exciting about like waiting up till like 12 o'clock and then you'd get in the car in the freezing cold and it was always freezing outside and then you'd like turn up and yeah I miss it missing people terribly now it's getting ridiculous because it's just people that you're used to seeing all the time and doing these little stupid things with and then when you suddenly can't do that you realize oh actually if I could have like a wish it probably would be that would be able to like first foot people and this sounds so stupid be able to hug people no it's so true hugging is a really important part of being a human being yeah and, and feeling I don't, connected uh, to people yeah and i don't consider myself a particularly like huggy person i am <laughs> you are no you we are do that's that- okay <laughs> You can't say hello or goodbye to me without there being a hug involved. That's do, he, hey, do I ever argue against it though? No, this is true. This is true. Thank um, you. I'm just I'm a firm believer. I also don't believe in handshakes. I'm really bad. If everyone, if I was to meet somebody in a in an interview or something, the chances are my brain would tell me to hug them, but I would force <laughs> myself to shake their hand. But I would much rather just hug everyone. No, that's fair. Handshakes can be handshakes can be awkward. Handshakes can also be problematic in terms of like just it's just it's a very weird thing, the handshake. And handshakes feel like some kind of feel like a status statement, whereas hugs yeah. are a normalizing. It normalizes a person. Mm-hmm. It makes them. Yeah. I feel like it's a more grounding gesture. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know so, what I'm talking about. That's a very no. I I I kind of understand where you're coming from. I do. I I get it. I get it. In my profession, I have to handshake a lot because you meet a lot of people like in very quick succession, and it's just it's very odd. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. And I, it doesn't feel like something that it's like a natural thing to do. No, like, it's not. <laughs> it's it's really not, and it's only in certain situations when it's considered like normal. Because when I first not met you, fan. we didn't shake hands. No. I probably hugged you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably didn't. I was probably trying to pretend to be a responsible employee, but hugging is... I miss hugging as well. I do. I miss hugging, and I've got a list of people going, but I can't wait to hug, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, it's so ridiculous, but... Uh, but, yeah, it's... Oh, it's a funny old one. The cuddles will just last slightly longer once we're allowed to... If you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Everyone will just be standing. Hugs will linger for a while once we're allowed to. Yeah. Because everyone always talks about that, like, the fact that, like, humans need touch and need, like, contact. And you never think about that actually being a real thing until you're told not to do it. And you're like, but I want to hug something now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's the same as going into a library. I love a book. If I go into a library, you're supposed to be quiet. I'm normally quite a quiet person. Pop me in a library, I'll start screaming <laughs> because it's like my brain tells me that I've got to do something and, my, and it automatically wants to rebel. Oh um, my God. It's a problem. I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also very good at respecting rules. You are. That's very true. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you, good lord. Thank you. That was a violent sneeze. Peaked my mic. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was unexpected. I expected it, I could feel it brewing. You expected it. Oh, here she comes. I can't connect to your Wi Fi network. You can find setup instructions in the help section of your. She's a pain in the arse. Three times tonight she's done that. Three times. Three times. She just wants to be in on everything. I could be sitting in silence doing nothing but reading a book or crochet or something and she'll chime in. And I'm like, what sounded like your name? 
I'm sitting I'm here quietly by myself. Do you think it's maybe those ghost children that are roaming about the old school that you live in? Keep setting it off. I wish it were. You, you never know, it may be. I just don't think children died here. <laughs> as much as I... No, never mind. I'm not going to say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but although, it doesn't necessarily mean that they died there. It just means it might have been a place that they felt connected to, that they've gone back to. It was a school. Who in their Some right mind like would go back school. to school? <laughs> Some people liked it. I, I refuse. school. I would never return of. to my school, ever. It's a source of trauma. Shall we fire into stories? Let us get into stories. Let's I believe just do you it. are first. I am indeed. And I am going to tell you the tragic story of Black Hogmanay. Lovely. So, Black Hogmanay. Okay. We are in Paisley. So for anyone okay. who isn't aware, Paisley is a town outside of Glasgow. It is where the Paisley pattern comes from. It uh, is indeed. Yep. And uh, it's also where my other half lives. So that's lovely. Aww. The Glen Cinema is the location of our story. It was opened in 1901 and it became known as The Glen and the Royal Animated Pictures. So it had two little names. On the afternoon of the 31st of December 1929, a children's matinee was taking place with nearly 1,000 children present. Many of the children present were sent out of the house to the cinema on Hogmanay to allow their parents to get the house cleaned and ready for the new year, which is, I have learned, a Scottish tradition. It is uh, indeed. They took their seats in the crowded theatre, sang their song and settled down to watch the new cowboy movie, which was either called Dude Desperado or Desperado Dude. I've seen both as uh, prospective titles. Who knows? It was a cowboy movie. The film of the film, the film's literal film, was put in its metal can in the spool room where it began to issue thick black smoke. Not good. Nitrate film, as used at the time, can burn on its own without needing a supply of air. When an assistant film operator spotted the smoke coming from the film container, he tried to smother the flammable film, but the container sprang open and smoke fumes entered the hall. Soon... Smoke filled the auditorium, and con which contained around about a thousand children, as I say. Panic set in. Children ran downstairs so fast and in such high number that they piled up against the escape door, which led to <clears throat> Dyer's wind. Oh. The door couldn't be opened because it was designed to be opened inwards and had been padlocked. Children were trapped and were crushed against the door's with the force of the other panicking children coming up behind them, trying to reach the exit. People in the balcony were also panicking, and their only way of getting down in their state was to jump from the balcony mm. onto the children below. Oh, my God. Yeah. The following day, Paisley was stunned at the news that 71 children had died in the crush in the worst cinema disaster in British history. And there were, I think, a a further, a further, there were a further 30 children injured, I believe. Mm. Yeah. So I've got a couple of little quotes from people who were there. So okay. Emily Brown, who's 95, she was one of the, the children who was there. She said that she remembered not wanting to go that day, but she had to because her, her mum wanted her out of the house so that she, mm -hmm. she could get the place in order. Uh, Robert Pope, who is 98 now, had got up that morning and asked his mum for some jars to exchange for money so that he could go to the pictures with seven of his friends. Emily Brown had gone with her older sister, Jean, who was 10, and her younger sister, May, who was three. They heard somebody shout fire and started to head for the exit. There was screaming and shouting and people were pushing and trampling on you and you were trampling on others trying to get out. Emily remembers the people jumping from the balcony and or they would jump onto the stage uh, in order to try and get out and she got separated from her sisters in the panic. She remembered somebody smashing a window and it was a fireman on the outside who helped her escape the building. 
Emily's aunt later found her wandering down Glasgow Road and took her home to her mum on Hunter Street. Her sisters Jean and May luckily were already there because they'd managed to stay together during the chaos and also managed to escape. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think my mother gave us all an extra cuddle that night. (laughs) Which is so cute. Um, Robert says that he doesn't remember an awful lot about it, but he thinks that his guardian angel had been watching out for him that day. When the panic started, he remembered something completely came over him and he just stayed still in his seat and didn't move. Mm -hmm. He didn't remember much until later on and the fireman was clearing the hall and he asked him what he was doing still sitting in his seat and he said that he was waiting for the picture to come back on and he was told to head home and that the film wouldn't be coming back on. Mm. His friends saw that he didn't come out and had told his mum that he was still in there and she was getting ready to go up to the hospital to try and find him. Uh, As she opened the door, she walked up the stairs and he remembers the look of relief on her face when she registered Mm -hmm. that he hadn't been one of the victims. Uh, He's he's also glad because he he was relieved because it meant she didn't have to see the traumatic experience at the hospital of the children who had been killed or injured. So Mm -hmm. he was relieved as well that she didn't have to experience that trauma of seeing that. Robert's friend, William Spears... Uh, He had been sitting beside him and fled during the panic, didn't survive the crush that day. When news of the disaster spread through the town, the entire community went to the Glen Cinema to try and help the children out. Emily's mum was one of those who pulled children from the cinema and loaded the injured ones into trams for the hospital, not knowing if her children were safe, injured or worse. Mm -hmm. Emily's mother turned out to be the only resident from Hunter Street who didn't lose somebody that day. Oh, God. The funerals of all 71 victims took place in early January of 1930. The town came to a complete standstill to pay their tributes to those who died. Everyone turned out, including the hospital staff who treated the victims and survivors, and the boys' brigade walked in the funeral procession. And there's a photo of that, and there's, there's loads of them, loads of the boys' mm-hmm. brigade there. The children were laid to rest at Hawkhead Cemetery, where a memorial still stands to remember those who did not return home to their families on that horrific Hogmanay. An inquiry was held in Edinburgh on the 29th of April 1930, during which it was revealed that the cinema had been inspected and pronounced safe by the Paisley Fire Brigade the morning of the fire. The owner, James Graham, had, however, agreed that there were insufficient exits, but claimed he had repeatedly reminded the manager, Charles Dorward, that the escape exits were not to be closed during matinee performances. The manager conceded that the exit gates had sometimes been locked to prevent children from entering the cinema without paying. A policeman who arrived on the scene just after the fire started reported that the gates were padlocked. However, another witness confirmed that she had seen Dorward unlocking them. So, not sure what's going on. It remained unclear as to why the gates had been padlocked and therefore locking the children inside. The conclusion of the inquiry was that the fire had been started by a short circuit when a metal box containing film stock had been placed on top of a battery in the projection room. The tragedy had been made worse by the limited number of exits, insufficient attendance and overcrowding. The building that hosted the Glen Cinema still stands and is currently a furniture store. A relief fund for the injured children and bereaved parents Uh, was raised and it was £5,300, which in today's money is probably quite a lot. Um, I would think. Yes. And Paisley Town Council offered them... Paisley Town Council offered them a week's holiday at the seaside. Oh. And I read in one place that if this had happened now, there would be all sorts of bereavement counsellors. There would be um, counselling for everyone who was a survivor but also the families of the victims and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but back in these days people just kept them and tried to crack on which was probably not good for anybody's mental health um but so at this time although we would see it strange that the thing they were offered was just a trip for a week at this point in time it probably would be considered quite a nice and probably large gesture to people who had suffered such a huge tragedy. The cinema manager was put on trial for culpable homicide, but was found not guilty. News of the disaster was far-reaching, with letters of condolence being sent to the town from people across the globe. The globe. The globe. 
It was a very nice gesture, but I have very found it very difficult to say. The impacts were also global, uh, as the Cinematograph Act of 1909 was then amended to ensure that cinemas had more exits and that doors opened outwards and were fitted with push bars. As seen in the Theatre Royal in the Theatre King's Glasgow Theatre Royal Glasgow. Indeed. Yeah. A limitation was also placed on capacity of cinemas and a requirement for an appropriate number of adult attendants to be present to ensure the safety of children. And this is like, this is great. This is great. Um, Fair. (laughs) Yes. The survivors and their families continue to commemorate the disaster every Hogmanay alongside members of the local community. And I know that in 2019... I'm not sure if the if the two survivors I spoke about, Emily and Richard, from earlier, are still alive. Mm-hmm. Not sure, uh, but they were there at the 2019 memorial and laid wreaths, um, which was nice. Uh, there are some artifacts in the Paisley Museum uh, to commemorate the disaster. So there's a receipt for a funeral, a pair of shoes, and a hat. There's also letters sent to the provost of Paisley from other civic leaders in the UK, Europe, and from the USA. Some of the more poignant letters were from women who were unable to keep their own children, offering them to the devastated families of Paisley. Oh, God. Which is awful. Wow. Um, But anyway, that is the awful, awful story of the Black Hogmanay. I had absolutely no idea that that was a thing. In preparing for this episode, I... Uh, we, we were the two of us were talking about what we wanted to do, and yes. I just came across this on a Google. I think I looked up Hogmanay tragedy or something, and this is what came up. Yeah. And it sounded so familiar because mm-hmm. I I could have sworn that I read something exactly like this, but I couldn't find much on it. Yeah. Turns out there was a very similar incident, uh, which I think was called Victoria Hall disaster. Bear with. Yes. So the Victoria Hall disaster is a very similar situation, uh, mm-hmm. from eight, but older, slightly older, from 1883, uh, mm-hmm. the Victoria Hall in Sunderland, England, where a total of 183 children died. <gasps> oh my God. I may do a story on this in the future, but yeah. I think it was probably, there's a lot more information on that. So I reckon I probably read this and got the two confused. Yeah. But very, very, very similar circumstances. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. awful. That's, and just down the road. Yeah, that's absolutely horrendous. And also, it does kind of show it because, like, we always hark on about like how ridiculous we deem certain aspects of like health and safety in like the workplace or whatever. Then you hear like a story like that, and they didn't think there was anything wrong with padlocking potential escape routes because also. A lot of venues probably think they're never going to have to use them in those days. Well, exactly, yeah. I suppose the cinemas would be a relatively new thing, so they maybe wouldn't be yeah. aware of the dangers of, of spools going up in flames or anything like that. And uh, I, su- I don't know. The risk probably just wasn't obvious to them. Yeah, yeah. Exa- basically, that's what it was. like. But then there's also it- an element of maybe they thought padlocking would actually be safer because they're yeah. keeping children inside. The children mm-hmm. aren't going to go wandering the streets. Some random can't come in and snatch a child. Maybe yeah. there was an element of that's what they thought they were doing. It wasn't just that they didn't think about the dangers, but they actually thought they were preventing a danger. Yeah, that what they were doing was potentially like the safest option. Yeah. That's a very good point, actually, yeah. But it's now 91 years since it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot has changed. Health yeah. and safety measures have definitely improved quite substantially. Yes, um, I would. I would agree. <laughs> quite right. It's awful. Yeah, because um, my my grandma was born nineteen thirty, so she was three years, four years younger than a lot of the people that probably were there. Yeah, I mean, there would be older children there as well, but it looks like a lot of them were kind of seven, eight, nine, maybe. And in that time, kids that age would have been trusted to go about. Yeah, totally. The streets themselves and go out Sent and play. to shops, get messages from yeah. their families. Because I, it, would, it was deemed to be safe. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous <clears throat> considering the story we've just heard. But you know what I mean? Like, it was deemed safe for kids to be, like, 
unsupervised on the streets. Yeah, I mean, I'm 29 and I shouldn't be left unsupervised. I mean, that's fair. We have lost you in a crowd more often than not. Oh, yes. Despite being for <laughs> six foot two, adios. I will find a way of getting lost. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> You're not that bad. Although, let's be honest, in work, there's a lot of time we'll be like, where's Chris? Where's he gone? <laughs> yeah, because I just, I, I've wandered off and I've left my radio and no one can find me. Usually most... But see, it's not because you're impulsive. It's because you occasionally leave your radio, and we're like, oh, yeah. "Well, he could be any. He could be anywhere." It's a, it's a hard job carrying a radio for four hours. It is. They're very easily. They're very easy to misplace. Let's be honest here. I'll learn um, eventually. You've all learned. That's eventually. my New Year's resolution. Although I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. That what not to lose your radio. Yeah. If we ever work again. Yeah. We'll see. Don't forget, yeah, don't forget that. We still need to... Who, who knows what's going to happen regarding that? <laughs> God, blame me. Trying to be optimistic, but it, it, it's getting harder. It's getting I'm not gonna tougher. Lie. It's getting trickier yeah. to be like, yeah, we'll be opening soon. Will we? Who knows? Um, I've had a yeah. couple of auditions for stuff at the beginning of the year, so maybe... Oh, that's I won't exciting. Have to, I won't have to worry about ATG so much because I might be off gallivanting. We shall see. Get get you off gallivanting. That's, that would be very exciting if you did. At least what someone in our industry should go off gallivanting. It would be so nice. Uh, it would be nice. There's be one well job I've gone for well. where the audition is in London, but you actually, the whole production takes place from home. Oh, why? Yeah, I'm like, why? why make me travel then? Just audition me here. Yeah, why would they make you do uh, that? Because London's like the danger zone at the minute. Yeah, well, yeah. The, I mean, this production's probably been cancelled by now, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, who knows? That's fair. It is very annoying that sometimes that London's the hub of everything and you're like... Uh, mm. Oh, God, I hiccuped. I was so distressed about the whole thing about London being the hub. Oh... <laughs> It is a distressing oh, no. thought, though. Ugh, my hiccups are distressing. Because <laughs> <laughs> my hiccups are so aggressive. They are. They're very violent. It's a family trait, and it's really upsetting. Mary's oh the God. same. Mary does a... Bah! She does that. <laughs> it's um. We can't help it. You must be like the frog chorus if you're all sitting in the same room and you all start hiccuping at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you all hiccup so in true. different pitches? <laughs> we, we might work on it. Oh, God. That might wow. be quite a nice little family party piece. Then you can do your um, recorded impression. My recorder impression. Because that's a good one too. That's up there with your Hugh Jackman. Thank you. I do have video evidence of my recorder. Which you do. I could try playing it. <laughs> there you go. What more could you ask for? <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> oh, could you not? No. Well, you probably couldn't, but I think that I my... I know, my, uh, I know what you sound like. Yeah. My podcast so mic probably picked it up. So the podcasting fam will know. Well, I had absolutely no idea that that story even existed. And that's a horribly tragic story. And I feel like we should know about it. We should. And I felt it's probably the first story that, that I've done that is current, not current, but recent history enough. And about mm -hmm. something so horrific, I was not able to do it in the most light tone. It, yeah, it's not a subject that we, you can do in a light-hearted tone. Also, yeah. it's recent. I normally like a bit of banter, but that's not a kind of story you can banter about. That's not. Maybe we can banter about my ridiculous Hogmanay traditions. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the party of the year, Hogmanay. Hello! <sighs> Hooray! Um, so, Hogmanay is the Scottish word for New Year's Eve, and its origins have been debated as either French, Gaelic, or Norse. None of those three things are kind of related. It believes it's somehow come from like that, somehow. 
Um, Each syllable comes from a different language. Hey, maybe. That could yeah. be true. Um, it's believed that Hogmanay traditions are of Viking origin. Lovely. You look a bit like a Viking. Thank you very much. That's maybe not something as burly. You not as burly, and no. you're not blonde, but you do no. look a bit like a Viking. And I Thank mean that you. in a nice way. I mean that in a nice way, Chris. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Vikings colonised parts of Scotland starting in the 8th century. So it's a very That's a while back. And the places they colonised included both the Orkney and Shetland Islands. Oh, I love them. Um, as well as the Outer and the Inner Hebrides. Now, as someone who has frequented the Shetland Isles, is there any evidence left of Vikings? So they have the festival up Helia. Yes. Are you going to talk about that? I'm not going to talk about that. So okay. you're welcome to talk about it. Well, I don't know the inses and the outses, but in the middle That's of okay. January, there is up Helia, which is a festival, and it kind of pays tribute to a lot of the Viking uh, bits and bobbers. And um, there were little museums and things uh, that were all kind of Vikingy. There is a bit on Unst, which is the top island. Now, I might have just been told this and believed it. It might not have been true. But there's That's a, okay. We love a myth. <laughs> there's a, there was like a hill. And okay. on the hill, it looked like there was a fish. And I believe oh. it was stones or like heather was grown in such a way, I can't remember, that it made, it made it look like a fish. And that was supposed to have been from the olden days so that passing ships would know that there were fish traders. That could all be complete nonsense. I really hope it's not, because that's cool. <laughs> also, at the age of 12, it may just be that I've been told a genuine fact and I've translated it into what I just told you. Um, <laughs> so in my head, that's been about Vikings. Okay. Uh, my dad is a potter and he used to make little Viking ornaments, which I remember being sold in various oh. little stores in Unst. But yeah, I feel like they have murals, all sorts of murals and yeah. artwork and things like that that pay tribute to the Viking origins. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. I was just interested because I wasn't, because they kept saying online, oh yes, there's lots of stuff to do with the Shetlands like, and Orkney's like, remembering. I'm like, is there? I can ask a real person that was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from I what I can remember internet. I haven't been to Shetland since I was about 14 or 15 So, but we were there pretty high frequency between the age of 8 and that So, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's just what, from what I can remember Excellent The Norsemen paid particular attention to the celebration of the winter solstice Or the shortest day Which I believe we have already talked about You're <laughs> so welcome for me episode. stealing that topic <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Um, also, oh, you've, talk, you've spoken about this as well. This is so... Oh, no! How, how, str how strange. Um, dating back to the Protestant Reformation, that Christmas was effectively banned in Scotland until 1958. And um, yeah. Boxing Day became a national holiday in 1974. <gasps> That's so not that to, long ago. Exactly. So they had to wait a wee bit before they eventually got, like, the full... <laughs> now, do you... Full, like, Sorry. Yes. I, is Boxing Day, I remember being told Boxing Day was called Boxing Day because it's when you boxed up all the presents you didn't want and you gave them away. <laughs> is that <Right>? true? <laughs> or is there That's a different not... reason it's called Boxing Day? There's two versions that I have been told. One of them is to do with presents, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Although I quite, I quite like that one. Um, the one I've heard is that Boxing Day was the day that employers would give their employees presents. Oh, that's nice. Um, and the other one that I have heard is that it used to be something to do with the church and it was something to do with, like, boxes that you'd do, put, like, monetary donations in and they'd be, like, handed out the day after Christmas. Fair enough. But I can't tell you conclusively which one is the right one. But I like yours. Thanks very much. I do feel like it was probably just me being told some shenanigans and I believed it. Do you think someone's told you that when you've caught them boxing up your present? No one has ever boxed up a present I've given them because my <laughs> present giving is second to none. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Um, so this banning of Christmas effectively meant that celebrations were simply just moved to the 31st because you could kind of get round it if you said if it if you said it was for like a Hogmanay party. Um, so that's kind of why in Scotland a lot of people make a bigger deal at Hogmanay than they do at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Purely from history, that's why they do that. Yeah. And across the years, several traditions and superstitions you know I love a superstition. You too. Um, I do. Have been have become associated with Hogmanay. So how many do I have? Four, five, four and a half. <laughs> okay. Um, and these are ones that I think, or that I found that are still like present today, in like okay. today's society. Um, so the first one is redding the house, which you have touched upon in your story. To be fair, I did. Oh, you I did. see. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So cleaning is often heavily associated with getting oneself ready for the new year. It is said that on Hogmanay, before the bells, one must give the house a thorough cleaning, remove any old ashes from the fireplace, and repay any outstanding debts. That would take me a long it would take me longer than one day to clear up all my debts, just saying. Yeah, thank you, student student life. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, student loan. Um, so the idea behind this tradition is that you are greeting the new year with your finances in order and a clean, tidy home. Nice. Well, I mean, the clean, tidy home thing, fully relate. I was literally going to say that I feel like this one applies to you a lot. I don't think you'd have to do much cleaning in Hogmanay, would you? No, because I just like to keep my place in tip-top ship shape the whole time, all year exactly. round. Exactly. So you'd be absolutely fine. Yeah. You wouldn't be doing any last minute trying to polish down your your ornaments. Other versions of this tradition involve carrying a smoking juniper branch throughout the house before all the windows and doors were opened. And this apparently was to clear the air inside the house. And it was also intended to chase away evil spirits and disease. So it's a little bit like your Christmas one. It's very similar, but it's a different branch. It's a different branch. I don't know what the significance of juniper is. That's kind of interesting that maybe like different seasons and different occasions require different branches. It's very pagan, very, um, very Wiccan. I like that. It is. I do like that. I do like that too. We are very much kind of like born out of the kind of pagan tradition up here in Scotland. A lot of our traditions are based on old pagan practices, which I kind of knew more, I kind of wish I knew more about because I do find it quite interesting. This is the perfect podcast to just force ourselves to in, to investigate it for the sake of... I mean, you're not wrong. You're the not wrong there. Um, another tradition, which we have now mentioned multiple times, but I will explain what it is, is first footing. Yeah. Yay. So a first footer is the first person to enter through the door of your home on New Year's Day. So it's basically like your first visitor to the house in your New Year. Um, preferably it shouldn't be someone that already lives in your household and if possible it should also be a tall dark hair dark haired male I mean so I should just go around all my neighbours and walk in their house basically I mean you are a very good description of that so you could just, just go and knock on everybody's door I'll walk in and they'll be like excuse me you have to leave and I'm like I'm doing you a favour <laughs> I'm bringing this you all tra- luck this is tradition <laughs> Exactly. Um, and the first footer should bring some sort of gift with them. Oh, no, I don't know my neighbours so, that well. I mean, fair. Uh, traditionally, it would be either coal or coins or whiskey or a scotch bun. Lovely. So here's the thing with coal is that okay. Santa obviously gives coal to bad children. He does. Little does he know that it's Pig and cold in Scotland sometimes. So cold's exactly. actually a hot commodity. Exactly. It would have been great. Yeah. So that's very nice of the Scottish people to nip round with coal. Yeah, that's very true. And when I was researching this, I didn't know what a Scotch bun was. So I looked it up. Do you know what it is? I don't think I do. Is it just like a fruit bun? It's like a fruit cake, but apparently it's wrapped in pastry. Ew. It sounds like a bizarre delicacy. Sounds like an, amalgama- an amalgamation of 
puddings that shouldn't be together. Yeah, it's very odd. Very calorific. Um, that is, we do love a calorie up here in Scotland. We do. Let's be it's probably honest. also <laughs> chock-a-full of things like duck fat and pig yep. spleen. But the first the first footer uh, will determine the luck of that household that they enter. However, did you know there's actually rules as to who should and who shouldn't be a first footer? I didn't know that. So there is. So apparently, historically, um, often women... And either light or red-haired men are considered unlucky first-footers. Which is awkward, because I first-footed a lot of people, so I'm very sorry. (laughs) 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 If it's my fault, I do apologise. And apparently it's also deemed incredibly unlucky to first-foot without a gift for the household. Uh, What if you yourself are the gift? (laughs) You're lucky that I've come round to see you. Exactly, that should be honoured... Like in ourselves, if that happens. Um, so this tradition is believed to date back to the time of the Viking occupation, um, where, understandably, if a tall blonde man wielding an axe turned up at your door, it didn't often signal something good. Depends what you're into. Well, yes. <laughs> now that that's a conversation for another podcast, dear. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so I, first footing is probably the most widely observed Hogmanay tradition, like still mm-hmm. in society. A lot of people, when there's not a pandemic on, um, well, first foot, like after the bells or on New Year's Day. Yeah, if you nice. try to first foot me this year in 2020, you will not be getting anything good from me. You'll be getting a good old smackaroo with a exactly. sledgehammer. Yeah, don't go to Chris's door. Or some Dettol to the eye. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So another tradition that you have also mentioned in passing. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. I literally covered your entire... Well, no, it's... No, 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 no. No, I mean, as in, like, you've mentioned it because they're still in circulation. So it's a good thing. Okay. Because it just proves my point that we crazy Scots people still do this. Okay. Okay. So don't, don't you worry yourself. Um, so another still-observed tradition is the singing of Auld Lang Syne at the Bells. Yes. By our wee cheeky sex pest himself, Robert Burns. Robert um, so Burns. It's, a, yeah, it's a Scots language poem written by Robert Burns in 1788 and is set to the melody of a traditional folk song. The title can be translated to mean Old Long Since or Long Long Ago or days gone by. Uh, the repeated line in the chorus, chorus, the repeated <laughs> line in the chorus, um, for Auld Lang Syne, loosely means for the sake of old times. Traditionally, when singing, one should join hands with the person next to them with your arms crossed and over your front. And then at the end of the song, everyone rushes into the centre of the circle, hands still joined, and then back out again. The, like, one thing that my family used to do was to go to like a hotel for like a meal or like a dinner dance on new year's day and um see like seeing people do that in old lang syne it just like makes brings back sort of memories of lots of drunk adults trying to do that and like tripping over their own feet yeah etc do you know what i mean yeah like, yeah. it also just makes me think of, like, the end of parties or weddings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's weddings for me and <laughs> Kayleigh's at school and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah, Kayleigh's as well. It just makes me think of lots of drunk people tripping over their own feet, trying to hold hands and sing in the Scots language. Never usually ends well. No. Um, so this tradition has become a worldwide one, and it is believed to have been brought over to different places by immigrating Scots throughout the centuries. So we've been going about and by osmosis, everybody else has picked up this song because of us. The original Um, influencers. Although being synonymous with New Year, like we said, the song is often sung at the conclusion of Kayleigh's and weddings. Another, or another repeated element of a New Year, like tradition slash superstition, is that of fire. Ha ha. Um... So fire has also traditionally become part of many Hogmanay celebrations throughout the country. 
Uh, one of these includes the Combrae Flambeau in Perthshire. Um, so as the bells chime midnight on Hogmanay, the flambeau are lit, which is torches consisting of long birch poles with tarred rags at the top. These are paraded throughout the village, preceded by a pipe band. Um, also, a traditional fancy dress parade is also included in the celebrations. Love fancy dress. Love a fancy dress. That's like your perfect thing, because that's like Halloween. Yeah, that's essentially Halloween, but at Christmas time. Yeah, there you go. I you used to go that. here. <laughs> I'm off. Um, and it's believed that the purpose of this parade is to ward off evil spirits. So oh, again, playing they in... They wouldn't allow me in then. Oh, I mean, that's true. They might try and burn you and that wouldn't be good. We don't need that. No, That'd be I'll bad. leave it. <laughs> um, another celebration, and perhaps one of the most famous and well-publicised is the Stonehaven Fireballs at Stonehaven in Aberdeenshire. Um, locals will form a parade of swinging fireballs around themselves, and the procession is often observed by thousands of spectators, except for this year, because we can't stand within two metres of each other. With a dozen spectators. With a dozen spectators. Uh, the idea behind the ceremony is that the fire will burn away bad spirits from the old year so the new year can start afresh. Like a good burp. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone refer to the Stonehaven New Year celebration as a good burp. But you mean, yeah. it is effectively that. Yeah. It is effectively <laughs> that. Getting um, the demons out. <laughs> Um, the first written documentation of this festival is 1908, although it has been debated that it may stretch back further um, as lots of locals have heard about older celebrations through word of mouth and through like kind of like local stories, etc. Um, Fire at Hogmanay appears to focus on the expelling of both the old and the evil and the idea of purifying. It also places an emphasis on the light amongst amongst the darkness and it could be argued that these celebrations are influenced by the ancient pagan traditions that at one time were observed throughout scotland as we have heard with your christmas traditions mm. mm -hmm. we're mm -hmm. basically all still a bunch of inadvertent pagans which i love i'm going to get one of the hats the pagans have one hats? of the hats i don't know did they i think Maybe. i'm thinking of the um the pilgrims <laughs> <laughs> quite a different thing. It's a different thing. I'm sure the pagans pilgrim, had hats too. They probably did. The it was chilly. hats are funny. It was chilly belly back in pagan times. It was. It was, it was cold. Oh yeah. It was cold. Yeah, especially here. Are you kidding? They're um, freezing their little pagan noses off. But did you know there is a slightly more modern and less superstitious um, tradition that now takes place every new year mm -hmm. that started as recently as I believe 1986. <gasps> the year before Mary was born. Oh, Oh, that's nice. Um, so this tradition is the Looney Duke. Oh yes. Yes. I'm aware of a Looney Duke. Yes. So this is a more modern and slightly more light hearted new year's tradition. And it's, of course, it's called the Looney Duke, and its name literally means a lunatic dip, for yeah. anyone who didn't know. Um, so the event was first created in 86 as a joke, and it was again repeated for charity. It has since become a regular event on New Year's Day. So it entails jumping into the freezing waters of the Firth of Forth in South Queen's Ferry, whilst dressed in fancy dress. Another opportunity for fancy dress. Loves it. There you go. Um, so the Firth of Forth connects to the North Sea, which is why it's absolutely freezing and why mm. it's not recommended that you should jump in there for a substantial length of time. But what started as something effectively, apparently it was said to the guys who kind of like originally did it, that it would be a good way to cure a hangover. <laughs> okay, good, yeah. Would be to jump into the Firth of Forth. So... They did that, but then it slowly kind of, like, snowballed into, like, a full-scale, like, charitable event 
that now starts with like the parade of the the people who are going to do it now parade through like the local village or town in their fancy dress and they're effectively led down to the first of fourth and then like let go to jump in. So they love that because we we be crazy. They we do. Just love- <laughs> they do a Looney Duke in North Berwick as well. Do they? They do. So I have witnessed the Looney Duke, but I haven't ever partaken <gasps> because I don't like being wet and I don't like not having clothes on. Fair enough. Both valid things not to like. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something that would take my fancy. No. Because I, I don't know. Just no. I'm quite happy with my superstitions about not being the first person to go into somebody's house in New Year and cleaning up and all that. Jazz, that's more up my street yeah. than jumping oh, in yeah. dressed as a whatever. In the freezing cold. Doesn't sound like much fun to me. Dressed as a pagan. Dressed as a pagan. There you go. There you go. That's Sorted. your fancy dress for next year. But I won't be jumping in. I'll just be standing at the side like a little haunted yeah. <laughs> pagan child. <laughs> and everyone will get really spooked out. Oh, That'll be fun. That's That'll the be best fun. way to do it. Oh, yes. That is the best way to do it. Um, so there you go. That is the party of the year that is Hogmanay Lovely. here in Scotland. And some of the crazy traditions that we still observe. Yeah. So for a place that has quite a lot of traditions for New mm-hmm. Year, I don't think I really participate in many. I mean, not, not particularly. We No. Do the cleaning of the house. But I mean, that's just like common sense because you don't want to sit in mess do you no exactly it's like no, it's how i feel about that? spring cleaning <laughs> spring cle- spring cleaning i'm like why are you spring cleaning why haven't you been cleaning all year exactly it should be you all wouldn't year need to cleaning. spring clean if your place wasn't already clean true it's a very good point and if spring cleaning is about getting rid of rubbish in your house that you don't need why have you got that rubbish in the first place just get rid of it when you see it it's really very simple true. very true don't understand it. Thank you very much for that. That was lovely. You're very, you're very welcome. You know I love a superstition. You do, and it is definitely a little light ending to what was a pretty nasty beginning to the pod, to the ep, the episode. You're very, you're very welcome. But again, I say um, your your story was very interesting because I had no idea it was a thing. Well, next time I'm in Paisley, I might go looking for this furniture shop so that I've got a vague idea yeah. of where it happened. Yeah. Um, but that's non-essential travel, so it might be a while. It is non-essential, uh, non-essential travel. That's very, very true. <laughs> I get stopped by the police. Sorry, I am doing very important research for my podcast. I'm looking for where <laughs> 71 children tragically died in a crush. You can try and plug it while you're being arrested for non-essential travel. <laughs> that's to just scream a wee bit gothic at the top of my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Probably would not benefit me in any way. Also, at this point, I forgot to say, you will have heard episode number two of our wee goth episodes. We, so, would, we will have. So hopefully so you enjoyed it. Yes. Um, and we will hopefully do more of those kinds of things if people enjoyed it. Uh, and exactly. Yeah. Just little branches off for little, little mini episodes. Of, little uh, mini episodes. Things. Yeah. Did you, did you, just as like a side note, did you feel weird record, like recording yours? Because I felt very bizarre sitting, effectively talking to myself. I think <laughs> I treated it like I was doing a monologue. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Which I do quite a lot. So yeah, it didn't to feel that. too strange for me. Yeah. Um, but it was still a bit odd. I haven't sat and done something as long as that. In a wonner. Um, but yeah, if I think of it as a monologue, it's less strange. As always, please like us, rate us, subscribe to us, uh, tell us anything you want us to cover, pop onto the Instagram and the Facebook at a wee bit gothic and have a look at all the photos and stuff there that we've got. Exactly. We do appreciate it. And thank you for all your... Um, interaction and support during the end 
of 2020. And fingers crossed we'll be on to very exciting things in 2021 with this. It could only get better. Let us, let us hope that that is the hand the universe is going to deal us. Hopefully. That would be nice. Yeah. But I uh, hope you all had a very, very merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And Happy New Year. Yeah. Enjoy. Goodbye. Was that gothic? A wee bit.